Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. This is episode 25, and I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, talking with my friend, Matt Inglot. Matt started his agency, Tilt-A-Pixel, 10 years ago while he was still in university, in the beginning, Matt was like many other agency owners, working 80 hours a week, stressed about the overhead of an office and payroll, and he wasn't making much more than when he was freelancing. Today, though, Matt's transformed that agency into a business that earns him a great living while only taking 20 to 30 hours of work every week, allowing him to pursue his hobbies and even start his own podcast, Freelance Transformation. Matt did this by getting off the treadmill of constantly finding new clients to replace his old ones and focusing on finding ways to build a deeper and more profitable relationship with his current clients. In this episode, Matt lays out the three-step system he follows to turn clients that come to him for a $10,000 project into clients that stay with him and happily spend well over $100,000 on projects over the years. If you're tired of constantly chasing new business, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Matt. All right, Matt, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me on. So today you run the Freelance Transformation Podcast, but back in university, you launched a web design development agency of your own, Tilted Pixel. And so in your podcast, you kind of, you cover a lot of your personal story and all that. And I'll link up some of the episodes that really go deep in that in the show notes. But for this episode, I really want to kind of keep it super actionable. So are you cool just diving right into things? Let's do it. All right. So let's get started then. What are most agency owners doing wrong with how they prioritize serving their current clients with finding new clients? Well, so much. But uh, what it comes down to is I think a lot of agencies and a lot of freelancers for that matter, uh, the big problem is they are putting way too much priority on new business before finding all of the ways that they can actually be serving their existing clients. And I think it's costing them big time because I know for me specifically, uh, running a web agency, I used to be of a mindset that we do a project for a client, we build a website, and then all of the work that we do with them afterwards was really small relative to that initial project. And somewhere along the way, I kind of realized that, hey, some of these clients keep coming back to us over and over and over again, and they want more work. And I realized that when you first work with a client, when you build that first project, that could be the beginning of a much more profitable relationship. And that's really where things took off for me and went from me feeling like I'm stuck on that treadmill where you know, you get a project, you finish it, and right away you have to go hunting for a new business or you don't eat or you don't pay your employees or anything. So I got off that treadmill by actually focusing much less on selling to new clients and just far, far more on figuring out how I can build these existing relationships to be worth five to ten times as much as they are right now. The average web agency owner is thinking like, okay, I get that I have all these clients I've done work for, but how am I going to make five to 10 times more down the road when by offering them support packages or maintenance packages and things like that? Like, where do I get, do I find these upsells that actually are worth more than the original project? Yeah, absolutely. And just that phrasing upsells kind of hits on the problem, which is that you shouldn't be looking for 
additional things to sell them. Like, so, like, let's say you go into a restaurant and you buy a burger and they ask you if you want a drink and fries with that. You know, that's an upsell. And, you know, that means that McDonald's get makes an extra dollar profit on your order or something because, you know, you bought a sugary drink that cost them maybe 10 cents to provide. Um, that's not how we should be thinking, though, as agency owners, as consultants. What we want to be doing instead is we want to rewind. And we want to understand the client's goals. What are they actually trying to achieve by working with us by, for example, in the case of websites, by getting this website built? What's the underlying business need? And in the case of my clients, for example, that typically means that they're looking for more sales uh, or they're looking to attract more leads to their sales team or looking to move more of a certain product. Something to do with really moving the bottom line of a business. Um, by getting themselves more out there and moving more product. So once I understand the fundamental goal that we're trying to achieve, I can shift my mindset. So if I build a website for them, I'm not thinking, well, can I sell them an extra plugin or can I sell them a bigger maintenance package? I mean, that, that could be extra gravy, but the real value comes in from, okay, we've built the website, the client has some traffic coming to it and so on. We know that the client wants more sales. What are other opportunities now that this website presence is built in order to actually help them get more sales? And when you broaden your thinking like that, then suddenly, you know, you're on a much bigger playing field. So, for example, um, conversion optimization is a big thing. Help, you know, help their website be more effective. We built the website. You know, it's not out of a gate going to be the highest converting thing that it could possibly be. So why don't we work with the client to increase conversions to help them sell more for every visitor that comes in? Or we might notice that, you know, there's something maybe fundamentally flawed with the way they're selling their product. Maybe the pricing's off. Uh, I've had clients where I've just pushed them to raise their prices and did some pricing analysis and so on. And that work was worth a ton of money for them because, you know, they, they basically, I think in one case, almost doubled their prices. Oh, wow. And, and, and you can imagine the impact that's had for them. But they right. wouldn't have known to do that, right? I see. So it's not just added services related to that one thing they're doing. It's not a plug-in to kind of complete their e-commerce so that they come to you. It's thinking more holistically, thinking about the bigger picture and how you can get them to achieve their goals. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, there's probably a lot of ways that you can help clients, but the specific thing to do is really think about how you can use your skill sets and your knowledge of their business in order to help them in ways that they might not otherwise uh, understand could even exist. Like, for example, uh, some of the best work that we've done has been as simple as just helping clients uh, that sell things online to get those orders out faster. So I've had clients that were simply retyping every order that came in into some other system. Well, if you're not a programmer, that's just the way that you would do it. Right. You don't even think about it. Exactly. But I mean, you know, we're a team of programmers, so we know that we can get these two systems talking to each other. And that's huge because the client is going to save, you know, tens of hours a week of employee time. That's a solution that's worth a lot to them. So they're very happy to do that kind Mm. of integration. So you've kind of identified this and broken it down into a three-step approach of, of doing this. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get started with just step one. What What is the first step of kind of 
finding more value for your clients and growing the engagement size? Yeah. So first step is really a prerequisite, which is finding clients that can actually gain a lot from working with you. And I think that's another just huge mistake that a lot of agency owners and consultants make is they'll basically take on any business that looks like they could make some money from. So in our case, and and this is how I started because I've been running my agency for 10 years. I've made all of the mistakes a million times over. So when I started, I was you know, if somebody wanted a website and they had money, then they were basically my target client, right? But that resulted in working with a lot of clients for who a website wasn't a priority in their business. It was something that they knew that they needed to have. But basically, once you built the website, there wasn't a whole lot more to do for them. Whereas, you know, there was this smaller percentage of clients where their website was just critical to their business. Having that better website could actually move their bottom line a lot and you could actually track that. So these were businesses that were relying heavily on promoting themselves online or even selling their products online, something where the website was foremost in their minds. And those were the clients that it was very easy to keep working with because it was very easy to keep generating results from. So find the clients that your skill set is going to generate a lot of value for, not just clients that decide that they need that skill set. And that is how you set yourself up to be able to continue working with them. If it's somebody that like, you know, like a dog grooming business with one location, how much are they going to invest in their website and how much are they going to keep working with you after you build that website? Probably not a lot. And that's simply because they only have so much to gain from their website. No, I think that's a really good point. And it's something that some of the biggest businesses, especially ones that deal with enterprise customers, truly understand is that while you might have thousands and thousands of customers or for agencies, you might have dozens of clients, They're not all worth the same amount, and there's going to be a select handful that are worth disproportionately more to you, and it's probably because you provide them disproportionately more value. And so it seems like it's about identifying who those are and going after them. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's absolutely it. Those those are the golden eggs. These are the ones you want to focus on, and attracting one of these clients is going to be worth 10 times as much to you as attracting a client for who working with you is only marginally profitable. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like one of the things that especially like engineers, developers, programmers, everyone like when you're trying out new SaaS tools, it's like you always hate the website that says call us for pricing. He's like, I don't want to call you. I just want to know what it costs. But it's like those companies that are doing that are embodying this principle because like if you're not going to call them up to ask for the price they don't want to work with you you're not their target customer and so it's just a similar idea in like a different application yeah that's it that's exactly it they know very well that the people that they are targeting really really need their product and they're going to have no problem calling them because they need this Exactly. And they probably, they've worked enough with similar people. They know the process they're used at. That's just what they do. But one thing I did want to ask, though, it's like, I can, in my mind, I get it. Like, okay, like the, some of the brick and mortar businesses, especially the mom and pop shops, their, their website doesn't drive their business. It's there. It's almost like a brochure. They know they need to have it. They want to be able to be found, but that's about where it ends. And so I get that the more online oriented businesses fit this criteria. But what I'm kind of, thinking a lot of people are going to be asking is like, well, I'm just a designer. Like, how can I solve these problems that they really care about? Like, how can I 
identify something that they desperately want solved and solve it for them. Like I just build websites. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So there's a couple things to it. One is you're probably underestimating yourself. If you're a designer and you've spent some time designing, you've probably had a chance to learn about how good design can create influence on business returns, right? Like you're not designing a website so that you can hang it in a museum somewhere. You're designing a website so that you can create a specific result for a client. So even things like... Um, branding, uh, things like having the proper calls to action, uh, things like having the proper flow through a website. I mean, these are things that hopefully are part of your design repertoire already. But now you got to combine that with uh, some basic business knowledge, which may sound intimidating, but it's something that you can build up pretty quickly just through practice and taking a little bit of effort to learn. Um, for example, it's a sim- it, it, like business fundamentally is as simple as sales minus expenses equals profit. That's that that is the very simple equation underneath every single business. And basically what you're looking at is what are the ways that we can help increase sales or reduce expenses and help our clients make more profit at the end of the day. So I have put together a guide. Uh, it's available. It's free. It's available at multiplyclientvalue.com. Uh, and it actually brainstorms some of these ideas for you. So some of the different ways that and some of the different areas of business that you can look into with your specific skill set and actually create results for your mm. clients, including concrete examples. Okay, cool. Because that's something that like... Like you were saying is when you're talking about these, some of the e-commerce clients or whoever they had to input results from one system into another system and they don't think about the fact that that can be automated. But on the other side of the equation, there's a lot of business things that like, if you hadn't told some people that they wouldn't know people were doing those things. So it, it goes both ways. And I think having some, a resource like you put together to give concrete examples to help people figure out like, Oh, people do that. Oh, I can definitely help with that. Like, I think that'll be a big resource for them. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the number one question I get asked about all of this. Well, you know, it's, it's exactly what you asked me. Well, I'm just a designer. I'm just a programmer. I'm not a business person. How can I help? And it turns out there's a lot of ways. For me, it comes back to thinking, relating to your client and understanding that they're not a programmer. They're not a designer. So a lot of things that you take for granted they can't think about themselves at all because they – so when they just come to you for a website, they don't always know fully what they want because they don't know what's possible. Right, exactly. And that kind of takes us into step two really, which is just understanding your client's business so that you can set yourself up to understand how you can help them and help them proactively, right? Because your client's going to know a lot about their own business, And if you take the time to listen to them, understand what are the problems that they're struggling with, um, what are their frustrations, and and to keep that ongoing dialogue with them. This isn't a one and done. I keep in constant contact with my clients. Every single client I have, I want to be talking with them at absolute bare minimum every three months, even if we're not presently doing 
any work together because I want to keep my finger on the pulse of her business and understand how things are going with the website that we've built for them, but also all of the things surrounding that, like how are sales going? Do you have new products planned, new marketing initiatives? You know, are there any challenges that you've countered? Is there a sales drop? All of these things, because once I know this, then it makes it much easier for me to understand, okay, how can I, you know, turn around and solve some of these problems for them or give them some suggestions on how to solve these problems. Do you use any software, any systems to kind of help remind you of, hey, I need to check in with this client? Or like, how is it just sort of part of your routine? Or like, how do you make sure you stay in touch with them like that? Yeah, I'm actually probably not as organized on this as I should be because, uh, I, I mean, I know all of my clients, right? That's mm-hmm. the thing. Uh, I have a very small agency and so, you know, I have to admit a lot of it's up in my head. What, what I will do is I will review my client list once in a while and just make sure I'm not missing everybody, like anybody. Like we have our own little client CRM, I guess, just, you know, showing us who, who our clients are and all the work that we've done for them. It's just a little tool that we've built, but you can, you can do that same thing with, uh, any actual CRM software, you can do the same thing with an Excel spreadsheet. Um, but, you know, just kind of keep an eye on who your clients are and just make sure that you are reaching out to them regularly. It's hardest with the ones that you're not currently doing work for, you know, because it's, it's very easy to focus on the clients that, you know, you've got an active project together. So you're emailing back and forth. And then it's easy to forget about someone that, you know, you haven't contacted in six months because mm, that's the thing is you, you while your current active clients are probably the easiest to do this with you're not saying forget only focus on them you're saying don't forget about the ones you who have done work with you in the past like they they're familiar with you you can still reach out and kind of reactivate them yeah and, and don't even let it get to the point where you're reactivating them right like, for example, we've built a website for them. That website's going to be there for years. Why? <laughs> it's not going anywhere, right? Exactly. Why would it, why would we let it get to the point where, you know, they've forgotten who their web company is or they know who their web company is, but they're basically just used to paying a support and hosting fee and then not really talking to us. I don't want that relationship. I've had that relationship with a lot of clients. It doesn't go anywhere. The great relationship is where I just make sure I proactively email them, I phone them, I have calls with them, I have coffee with them, whatever it takes uh, to make sure that I understand what's going on in their business and to also make sure that I'm delivering value for them. And sometimes that value could be as simple as advice. It doesn't have to be every single time we talk together, the client's checkbook opens up. Right. Um, I just want yeah, to make so sure. you're not constantly selling. Yeah, exactly. I want them to feel like I am part of their team, that my company's a part of their team, that we are an invaluable asset, a key employee, whatever you want to call it. We are not just yet another vendor. Mm. And I think that's huge. And that mindset itself, I think, distinguishes the way you run your agency from the way a lot of other agencies are run. Because it seems to me like the time that most agency owners are spending on maybe proposals, on cold email, on cold outreach, on all these other tasks to get new clients. And you're spending a significant portion on that, kind of just cultivating the clients you already have. Yeah, absolutely. And that does show results uh, time and time and time again. Because I can take on a client and we're going to build their website together. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future 
But when I look backwards, I see, okay, we built that website and then we realized there's an opportunity for them to do, you know, X, Y, Z in their business. And that's going to mean building a whole bunch of more additions to the website. Or I realized that, you know, their, you know, their sales are a little too good. Uh, they're, they're converting a little too well. They could probably raise their prices. Oh, okay. Right. And, and we just, we keep that dialogue. And then next thing you know, we're, we're doing some sort of fancy integration for them into a new system to automate things, or we're helping them build out a web presence for a new initiative. Um, there's just all sorts of things that come up if you take the time to actually part of your client's business instead of waiting for them to come to you. How many clients do you work with right now, roughly? There's probably 10 active clients at any given time, right? So I have a roster of, of many more, some of who've moved on or some of who, you know, I've, I have the other type of relationship with where we built the project and then, you know, we've been charging them hosting and maintenance and the relationship's never really gone beyond that. And most of those I acquired before I kind of really realized the power of this other approach. Um, but there's probably about 10 active clients that, you know, I can expect some non-trivial work from over a given year. And I consider that a lot, by the way, being that, you know, we are a small agency and with no particular plans to grow to be some massive organization. Right. And if you had just stopped and if you had just said, I'm only going to do this original project. I'm not going to do any of this follow-up work. I'm not going to do any of this kind of um, growth with the clients. How many more do you think you would need to have to be at about the same place you're at right now? So many. Uh, I mean, right. you, you can do the math very easily, right? Because uh, obviously I've had different results with different clients, but there's been a couple clients where we started with maybe a, a project in the ten to $15,000 range. And these clients have spent upwards of $100,000 with us since, right? So basically 10x return or sometimes more than 10x return. And that means that if I hadn't taken this approach and if I had just kind of created this passive relationship, sure, the client may have come back to me anyway and asked for some more work. But maybe instead of a 10x relationship, that would have been a 2x relationship. So you know, the, the math's there. I would have had to find, for, for every one 10x client, I would have had to find another 10 clients to replace well, I don't them. Even think, I don't even think that's accurate because to find 10 clients, you would have had to hire more people eating into the margin. So to just replace that one person who is much more easily easier to maintain, you would need more than the 10x. Oh, yeah, definitely. If, if you want to get into margins and everything, then absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's not a straight up replacement. It is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly expensive to find new clients because, uh, I mean, you, you got to do all of the work to end up talking to a client in the first place. Then you got to write, uh, write a proposal. And then let's say maybe one in three proposals actually close very quickly if, if you're an agency you could very quickly end up with a business development person working with you and their entire job is to basically build these relationships and write proposals. Right, let alone all the, the extra project managers you're going to need to handle the extra volume of clients and all of that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I've been down that road. <laughs> and and it's, it's very difficult to make that whole process work if you're not actually building up value in each of your clients. Like definitely... Uh, 
the whole idea of selling a $5,000 what custom website over and over again uh, did not really work. And I don't think that's a viable model. I think either you find clients that you're going to keep working with and that you're going to that are going to make substantial differences to your bottom line, or you have to go with this whole other consulting model, which is productized consulting. And that that's a whole other thing. But the idea is you kind of deliver the same service over and over, kind of like McDonald's. And then, then you can achieve scale with low volume or there, sorry, with uh, low price points. But I think if you're seriously doing any sort of custom services, it doesn't have to be websites, then you really need to be thinking, you know, what's the long-term value of this client over five years? And that better be pretty high. Right. And that's the thing that I think is lacking from so many small growing agencies is that they are not necessarily obsessed, but their entire focus is, and it makes sense, you, you know, all these payroll, you have all these other obligations you need to make every month. So you're obsessed with finding the next deal because you think you need to land another deal, get another website and get another project and just you can make those that overhead but that mindset isn't sustainable because there's if, if you're doing one-off projects all the time or maybe some of them come back a year later or something you need an update but still like if you're depending on that you're always going to be stuck on that treadmill and you're never really going to go anywhere yeah exactly you know, most listeners have probably heard of a term feast or famine where if you're in any sort of uh, service work you end up in scenarios where you know you might have 6 months where you're closing a lot of these deals and therefore tons of money coming are is coming in and you feel on top of a world and suddenly for whatever reason those deals stop right and, and you have 6 months where things are really tight and you still got to meet your overhead and everything but for whatever reason the sales just aren't closing just strings of bad luck um and suddenly, you know, you don't really have control over your destiny, right? Whereas if you're cultivating your existing clients and building these big client relationships, that's something that you can control because these are already your clients. They, you know, you've hopefully chosen them carefully. So that means that you can keep working with them and keep building them instead of, you know, basically going to the casino of new business and hoping you come back with the clients <laughs> that you need. Right. And I actually think that it's almost, this happens probably more with freelancers, but even with smaller agencies is that when they're in that, that famine mode, then they'll reach out to old clients and be like, Hey, I have some new availability right now. Does anyone need any, any work done pretty much? And usually they'll get a bite or two. And then, so a lot of times they don't think it's as big of a deal because if they really need work, they can go back to their old clients and find something. But it's just like, in my mind, it's like, why not just do that all the time? Why not just make that a part of your business where you're always in touch with them and always working so that you don't need to just go to them in desperation. You can kind of proactively go to them and say, hey, I know you've been working on this. It isn't working. Like, what about this? Could this help you? And, and I think it's just changing that mindset from reactive to proactive is, is huge. Yes, and you said something very important. That's basically step three, which is creating that proactive relationship by figuring out how you can use your skills to help your clients reach their goals. You mentioned that, and this is totally true, a lot of agency owners will email their clients in times of famine and basically say, do you need any work done? As soon as you've done that, 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 that right there shows a completely flawed mindset because it's not up to the client to understand how you can deliver value to them. 
right? Because again, we, we've talked about that. The client may not know what's possible, right? They're not an internet marketing expert. They're not a programming expert. They're not a design expert. So they just don't know. So a lot of times those emails don't yield a whole lot. Uh, you might get a client that's been thinking about some sort of update or something for a while and you'll luck out and they'll bite. But that's very different than keeping this ongoing dialogue with them of understanding their business like we talked about and then making that next connection to proactively tell them, well, here's what I can do that's actually going to help some of these pains go away. Or here's something that I've spotted in your business and I think we can do a lot of good for you if we do this. Yeah, and it shifts the kind of the mindset from that of an order taker to that of a consultant. Because if you're just going to the client saying, hey, do you have any work for us? You're basically just asking them like, hey, are, are you like if you're McDonald's, you're just basically saying like, hey, are you hungry right now? And like if they're not, they're not. But they don't always know. They might be thinking like, oh, well, I already have a website, but I guess I could do this. I could do that. But it's not you're still asking them to tell you what to do. Right. And, and an example of this, and I won't name names, but there was this printing company that was emailing me for a while because at one point we printed business cards with them. And so, you know, like clockwork, every quarter I would get some sort of email asking me ultimately if I had any more printing work for them. My answer was always no. Why? Because, I mean, I mean you know, I don't, I don't do any print advertising and I don't do any print other stuff. And I had no idea as the business owner what was even possible. Exactly. Right. Whereas if they had come, came to me and said in, instead, Hey, heads up, it's October. You should start thinking about sending Christmas cards to your clients, which you really do got to think about that in October, by the way. Um, you know, if, if they had done that and if they had said to me, Hey, we can take your client list and, you know, we can create an awesome Christmas card design and we can make sure that all of these things get sent out to each of your clients. You know, for any reasonable price, I would have said no problem, done. Right? Because now they're solving a problem for me, and my problem is maintaining client relationships. Right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if they had simply said, you know, in October, do you need any print work done? I would have said no, which I did. It's the shift of the mindset from that of an order ticket to that of consultant. You, you, you are the, con the consultant, the agency owner, the freelancer, they're the experts. But they're acting like an employee in, in hoping that the client will be their boss and tell them what to do. Yeah, exactly. And that's so painful. There is, there is that spectrum where a lot of freelancers based, and, and unfortunately agency owners as well that never quite leave that employee mindset. And they just basically become fancy contract workers, possibly with employees in office space, but ultimately still acting very much like the employee with a boss, like you just said. I'm just going to stop Matt there so we can do a quick break for our sponsor. But when we come back, I want to have Matt talk about how you can get your clients to actually open up about these problems. So just hang tight for 30 seconds and we'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without all the crazy fees, where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. 
I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to Hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, now let's get back to Matt. I know for people who aren't familiar with this or who haven't quite kind of made the leap to, to shifting their mindset this way, like how do you actually get your client to kind of open up about these problems and like tell you anything? Like how do you get them to talk more about what their business problems are? It's surprisingly easy if you start the relationship off on the right foot, you know, which I always try to do. And I won't take on a client if I don't think that relationship's going to be there. So, for example, when I meet with a potential new prospect or have a call with him or anything, you know, immediately they want to start talking about the website, you know, what they want on it and all of that stuff. And I just completely set that aside. And instead, I start talking about about the real issues with them, such as, you know, my number one question is, what is the goal with this project? What's prompted you to decide to want to build a, build a website? And suddenly that's a very different type of conversation. You know, that's not a conversation about plugins and color schemes and platforms. It's, you know, what happened in your business that made you decide you're interested in a website? And then we can kind of keep that conversation going. I'm always asking about things like, you know, well, how much do you sell a year, which you think a business would never tell you? I rarely get pushback on that. And if you do, you can offer to sign an NDA and usually they won't bother and they'll just tell you the information you need. Right. But but I, I go into kind of doctor mode, basically, and I start, you know, asking the questions in order that I need to ask in order to make a diagnosis, all of which is going towards, well, what kind of website makes sense for them, which might be very different than what they think makes sense for them. And then I'm able to lay out that solution for them. So that's how the relationship starts. They're, you know, they're already sharing all of this information with me right from the get go. So it's very easy to keep that conversation going. Whereas I think if you start the relationship off on the right foot, which again, I've done so many times and I've learned from that, it's actually very, uh, very challenging to change that. But it can be done, but it just has to be more gradual. You don't go from being an order taker to emailing a client one day and saying, hey, how are sales going? And, you know, what are your revenue numbers and so on? You know, they'll, they'll think you've gone mad, right? Because they're not used to seeing you as a partner, as a trusted advisor. They're used to seeing you as another vendor. But you can, you, you can make those changes. You can, uh, what, what I suggest people do, uh, if they do want to try to, so, you know, reactivate a client, do want to start changing that relationship, even if it's been a while, just reach out, you know, very delicately and just basically say, hey, it's been a while since we've talked. I'd love to know how, you know, whatever you've, you've been doing them is working and just catch up and make sure that what we're offering you still makes sense and to just hear about any challenges and so on you may have going. Can I buy you a coffee or can we set a phone call and here's a link to my calendar? And that does have a pretty good success rate at at least getting you talking to them. And when you have that conversation, that's where, you know, you, you can change from being on the wrong foot to being on the right foot and saying, hey, um, you know, what, what, 
what is working, first of all, because, you know, you want them thinking, okay, what's working in the services that we're delivering, but then you can broaden that conversation. Okay, why is this working or why is it not? What else is going on in your business? And suddenly you're having a very different dialogue that you may have never had before with that client. And what you're probably going to discover is once you start asking questions, they're going to be more than happy to tell you their problems and share these things with you. Because, I mean, that is front and center in their minds. Setting up the call, setting up the coffee, I just want to make it clear, like, that's not a chance for you to go in and say, hey, you should buy our CRO services. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, don't, don't make them feel like it's a sales call. And it's not a sales call. And that's where like, it's the biggest, I keep going back to the mindset, but I think it's so important is because that's where it's, like you said, you're, you're the doctor, you're trying to diagnose. And these are opportunities for you to learn enough to be able to do that. So you can, like you said, understand their business and their goals so you can see how your skills can help them get there. Yeah, absolutely. And not everything that you're going to talk to them about is going to equal business for you. Right. And that's fine. Yeah, that's totally okay. And, and you should always give advice freely whenever you can. You know, some of the wins for our clients might not mean a lot of work for us, like raising prices, for example. Um, you know, for us, it's not difficult to change the price that the software is charging. <laughs> it's, it's clients right. and most of our clients can do that themselves. But I mean, it delivers huge value to the client, which in turn allows them to see us as valuable, as trustworthy, as partners. And that has a lot of very strong benefits later when you do get to a point where, hey, this new $30,000 project might actually have, you know, huge benefits for your business. Right. It really is just becoming a, a true consultant, an advisor, like an expert who that who's giving them advice instead of just waiting for them to come to you when the website goes down or whatever happens. Yeah, exactly. And and you can see how that's also kind of a terrible relationship where it, the right. only time they're talking to you is because their website's down. <laughs> no, exactly right. And that's the thing is you want to build a relationship with your clients where they enjoy talking with you because every time they do, they learn something new. Yeah, and and actually you've you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, generally speaking, clients enjoy these conversations unless something really bad is happening in their business. They're they're generally very happy to do this because, yeah, they do come away feeling enlightened. And and I never charge for these, by the way, right? Because if you charge for them, it, it completely changes the dynamic, right? I, you know, I, I played a long game. I know we're going to end up doing a lot of work with you. Um, I just want to talk to you. You know, I'm not charging you for my time here. I'm not bringing up money. I'm just building that client relationship. And that, that hour or two that I spend with that existing client is going to be worth so much more to me than spending that hour or two talking to a new prospect. Yes, don't be a penny, penny pincher. Like, Don't worry about the small costs here when this hour of my time and the couple of cups of coffee that I'm buying could lead to a five-figure project. Yeah, exactly, which is a mindset some people have to get out of. Because again, that's that employee mindset. I'm doing work. Therefore, here's my timesheet. How do you, because you're still basically on a project model. You are, are many of these clients, like, are these projects part of a big retainer or is each one a new price, a new project? Almost everything that we do is project based. So something needs to be done. We come up with a fixed uh, fee for it. I'm very against hourly rates and hourly pricing. You know, I think that's a net negative for you and that's a net negative for your clients. 
Uh, but most of what we do ends up being project-based. We do offer some retainer-based services, such as uh, search engine optimization and pay-per-click management, but honestly, and, and website maintenance and things like that. But honestly, that's relatively small compared to our project-based fees. I think one of the major complaints against project-based kind of agencies is that most people assume to run one, you need to always be on that treadmill of constantly finding new clients. But what you've set up is a way to still be with project-based, but kind of work with those clients to find new projects on a regular basis. Yeah, exactly. And if you find the right clients, and if you take the time to understand you know, what their underlying business goals are, and then how you can solve them, then you can definitely keep getting work from them, right? Take on the clients that you, you see that there's a big opportunity uh, from working with you. That That's so key. Don't take on the company that's just interested, for example, in that brochure website. Find a company that's growing quickly and needs an amazing e-commerce presence, because just through their sheer growth, through the fact that they want to get bigger, they want more clients, they want more sales, what you're going to do from them on day one is going to pale in comparison to what you're going to be doing for them in three years. When you were first talking to them on that first project, are you selling them at all about the vision of what you could be doing them for them in two or three years? It depends. Mm-hmm. right? What, what I want to do is I want to understand where their business is going in three years. And it totally makes sense if they have big dreams to help them map out how the work we do together lays out the foundation for then additional things that we can do together. And that'll work really well for a business owner that has really ambitious growth plans, not like doubling sales, but, you know, 10xing sales in five years, that kind of growth. Uh, those people respond very well to that because they do want to see that, you know, that plan in place. In general, I, I think. Uh, most business owners do want to feel like they're investing in something that, you know, they're going to get a lot of mileage out of and that they're going to keep building on rather than something that they spend the money and then next year they got to spend it again. Like that, like if you get, if you print out a whole bunch of direct mail flyers and send them out, you know, that investment's gone in a week. Yeah. It needs to show an ROI immediately because it doesn't, it's not a kind of, lasting asset exactly but when you're working with you know any sort of consulting work you know it's generally work that you're doing together you know that that's gonna have an impact for years and so the reason i'm pushing on this is so i just had a guest on the podcast a few weeks ago uh luke summerfield from hubspot and his big thing is what he calls growth driven design and it's basically the idea that the standard almost waterfall approach to building a website is broken is that you can't just kind of lock yourselves into a room, build a website, ship it, and it's done. And I think that's part of the reason why you're able to keep doing regular projects because there needs to be changes. There needs to, it's, it's a living document. It's a living thing. But so what he often suggests agencies do is basically do it on a retainer model where you'll build a starter website for the, the client you then adjust and adapt based on what it could, it doesn't always need to be just CRO stuff, but it based on what users actually want and have demonstrated and do so that you get them towards that project. But then as the website matures, you shift your resources still within the retainer to start offering some of the, the other business help that they may need. 
and it seems like it's, it's almost kind of like a a hybrid model of what you're doing where it's similar things is providing continuous help, but it's almost like standardizing it. It's almost saying from the very first engagement you have, this is how we're going to work. It's a long-term investment. It's a long-term engagement. What we do for you changes over time, but this is kind of how we're looking at it. Like, does that, does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. It sounds like uh, me and him are on the same page. We just use we just happen to use different billing models. And exactly. Think, no, exactly. And I think there's pros and cons to retainers. Like, if you can make that model work and find the clients where that model does work, I mean, by all means, do it. There, there, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that. Uh, what I found with retainers and the work that we do is they seem to be very good where we can continuously drive a certain process. So just like you said, for example, this continuous iteration or like in our case, SEO, uh, search optimization. I mean, that's an iterative process for sure um, where, you know, you, you can do kind of a fairly known quantity of work over and over and over again. And, and sure enough, if you're building like a web app for somebody or even certain types of marketing websites, that would make a lot of sense as well. Uh, but what I found is for us, sometimes it, it was it was a lot more uh, burstable, I guess, where, you know, we, we might do something and we might wait for results and then something big comes along and suddenly, you know, we have a ton of work to do for that client. And I just found personally that didn't line up quite as well with the idea of charging a monthly rate. Uh, right, for, by charging by project and by work, it's, it's almost more transparent about what is being done at the time. Yeah, a little bit. And again, I'm not saying that's a better or worse model. It just seems to fit a lot better with how I like running my agency and just the clients I work with and what we're trying to accomplish for people. But I think you should you know, look at your own agency and decide what model works for you. I don't think, you know, like like retainers have a lot of good things as well, basically. Yeah, because that's the thing is I'm not trying to say it's better than this, but you're right. It's the same. The fundamental ideas behind it are the same. It's just two different implementations. And I like when you said it depends on what your clients are comfortable with and what they identify with and the project itself, because really in both cases, you're selling value, selling continuous improvement. You're, You're selling how you're going to help their business improve. And those are ongoing relationships. And so it comes down to the best way for your client, for the project of billing that. And that might be retainer-based. That might, if it's predictable work, if it's going to be similar amount of work month in, month out. Or it might be like you were saying, if there's more kind of bursts of work in price of the project, it might be an easier pill for the client to swallow. Yeah, exactly. Because especially then you can, because you have to be able to show return on investment for the client as well. With, you know, if we can say we're going to do a $20,000 project and, you know, here's why we're doing it, then you name off a lot of expensive reasons that, you know, far surpass $20,000, it's very easy for the client to say, uh, yes, when you're doing a retainer model, that's great too. But then you got to keep in mind that it's not just a matter of finding clever ways to build a client every month so that you can get that retainer. You now have to be able to turn around and quantify the return on investment of that retainer. So, yeah, you're proving yourself every month. Exactly, which again, not necessarily wrong, but um, something to consider depending on how you want to run your agency and the kind of services that you offer and the kind of clients that you take on. Mm, no, that's great because it really is your the model, the billing model and the kind of value model that you're talking about 
I think is an easier transition for most agencies. And it's something because they can relate to it. They understand it, but it's not throwing away kind of everything they, they're, they're used to. It's just a, a step forward for them. Yeah, exactly. And something that we haven't talked about, but I think is also really important as well, is just really thinking about how you want your agency to look like, how far you want to grow, do you want to grow or do you want to grow crazy amounts, and how you want your life to look like running this agency. And a lot of these decisions that you end up making about the types of clients that you take on what kind of models you want to use in terms of working with them and so on. All of that stuff ultimately bubbles up into how your day-to-day life looks and what you're doing in that agency specifically and how many hours you're working in it and so on. And I think, you know, this is getting a little off topic, but it's just so important that I think a lot of business owners and especially agency owners don't make those considerations they think, how can I have an agency that makes lots of money and not how can I have an agency that builds the life that I really want? Right, because once you have that clarity, you're able to make these decisions on how to bill, on how, what clients to go for, on what projects to offer. You're able to make those decisions much more easily. Exactly. And in my case, I love the fact that I have a very small stable of clients that I get to work with constantly, that I'm on a very good, that I have very good relationships with. And it just makes me feel like every day I'm working with friends. Mm. And, and how is that? How is that kind of set up? The what is your life like now? Like how has that made it so that you're able to do what you want? Like what does that look like today? Today it looks very good. It wasn't always <laughs> like that. You know, I went from having an office and employees and working eighty hours a week, and that sucked. I didn't enjoy that. If if you enjoy it, all the more power to you. I don't. Um, so. Things like focusing on existing clients rather than constantly chasing new work, new clients, and you know, constantly being uh, in that feast or famine cycle have really allowed me to build a much more stable life and a life where uh, I don't actually spend as much time on my agency as people would think. You know, I don't want to make anyone jealous here, but like a typical work week for me might be 20 to 30 hours on the agency stuff. And that's why I've been able to do other things like my podcast, Freelance Transformation. It, it's just, you know, I suddenly realized I have a lot of time on my hands. And that time came directly out of taking an approach where, you know, if I look back over the course of a year, you know, how many full weeks of time have I saved by not writing new proposals, by not having to constantly, you know, go to new events and things to find clients. Um, and it turns out that amount is a lot. It's really like most people don't get into freelance. Most people don't start agencies because they want to spend all their time managing a huge stable of employees, the stress of dealing with payroll, the stress of dealing with clients to make a, a meager living. Like that's not why they did this. And so if people are in that point where they're not happy with things, I feel like that's the exact point where you need to start questioning what it is you want out of your agency and then looking into better ways of getting there. Yes. And that might mean some very difficult uh, right. conversations, right? And very difficult decisions. Like for me, I literally like rebuilt everything. Like I, I got rid of the office, which I still had a very long lease on. I converted, you know, most almost everything to contract work instead of having employees. Um, you know, we, we still have a small amount of payroll, but it's, it's mostly contract team now. 
And I reinvented everything so that it can be remote, so that the agency is going to make money if we have a lot of work or if we have little work because there is very little fixed overhead. And I really wanted something where I could work from home. So I used to have to commute to my own business. And I thought that was pretty crazy because I was like, well, you know, what are, what is one of the things that people hate about, you know, the nine to five job? You know, it's having to get up every morning, hop in the car. You know, if you live somewhere where there's a lot of snow, that just makes things 10 times worse and miserable. So why did I build that? Yeah. They, I mean, you're the one making the rules. <laughs> exactly. So I changed the rules. So, and, and the thing is, um, those were all very difficult decisions. I can't emphasize that enough. Like I was having anxiety attacks. I was miserable. And even all of that in place, I, I still had trouble just blowing everything up and starting over. That's a very mm -hmm. difficult thing to do. If you could talk to that person again, would you say to blow it up earlier? Yes. Yes, definitely. Because parts of me realized, but just refused to admit to myself that things weren't working probably for a good two years before I decided to blow it up. And there were probably warning signs even earlier. I just chose to ignore them because, hey, you know, I'm a stubborn entrepreneur. <laughs> I think that's going to resonate with so many listeners because that's the thing is it's these aren't always ideas that are completely alien to them. That on some level, they know what they're doing isn't working, but they don't want to admit it because of how much uncertainty there still is, but also how much will need to change. And I think it's important hearing your story about how hard it was. You're not saying this is easy, but you're showing what is possible once you do make those changes. And so to kind of wrap things up a bit, if people are on the fence, they, they know they want to make a change, but they're still a bit hesitant about it. They're feeling the anxiety. They're feeling the stress. What is a good first step? Like, what should they do? How can they learn more about this? How can they get on the right foot? You have to do the tough thing, which is probably lock yourself up somewhere for a day or two and forget about the business for a second and go back to why are you doing this? What do you actually want out of life? Um, how do you want your day to look like? How do you want, uh, you know, how do you want your income to look like? Don't put down stupid stuff like I want millions of dollars. If you want millions of dollars, that's great, but there, money is a tool, so you got to quantify why you need millions of dollars. You know, no, no, you don't need millions unless there, there's something pushing you that you really, you know, is really going to cost you millions of dollars to achieve. Um, so, so be specific. Be specific about the types of work that you want to be doing. Realize that growing a 50-person agency means you're going to be doing very different types of work versus keeping it small. If you're the type of person that just like really loves design or really loves marketing or really loves something, you know, like very skill-based uh, and maybe doesn't like managing people, hiring tons of employees might not be right for you. Um, th these are the types of things that you really got to have. And then you you compare that to where you are right now. And then I think, you know, if you're willing to just be honest with yourself for a second, your gut and your mind are going to tell you why these two scenarios are different and what you need to do in order to bring them, you know, back in alignment. And you can work that out all on paper. It's just the hard part is it's all of these truths that you don't want to admit. And it's very easy to react and say, no, this is too hard. This is not possible. Everything will collapse if I do that. That was great because you're right. It's all possible, but it's getting it out there and admitting that it's it's a problem. It's, it's saying I need to work on these things. I completely understand that for most agency owners, 
they, they don't right now take advantage of the clients they already have in a way that they're not trying to maximize the value they provide them and thus they're not getting enough value back from the clients. So to go deeper on the things you've talked about today on how they can do that, where should they go to learn more? Yeah, definitely. So definitely visit multiplyclientvalue.com because that's where you will find the guide that I wrote that looks at several different areas of a typical business and the levers that you can push for a client being someone that has a specific skill to help them make improvements in those areas. And that includes some very specific examples and just basically ways to help you brainstorm and figure out you know, where you're strong and where you can be helping your clients. And of course, Definitely check out the Freelance Transformation podcast as well at FreelanceTransformation.com. Um, there's lots of great guests sharing their, you know, their business models. Some of them are freelancers, some of them are agency owners, but all of them are really opening up and you know, sharing the dirt of you know, how their whole business works. We, we've talked about this before, but we have a lot of overlap in guests because a lot of the struggles that freelancers go through it's the same struggles that agency owners have they most agency owners were freelancer at one point and they haven't quite figured out how to make the the changes but i think definitely check out those resources check out multipleclientvalue.com the stuff is it really can change the way you run your agency so please check it out and matt i just wanted to say thanks for coming on the show to share that with us today thanks so much for having me on the show it's been a lot of fun yeah it was great i'll talk to you later When it really comes down to it, Matt's advice is pretty simple, but it's something that so few agency owners actually follow. And whenever I ask people what they're struggling with, I get a wide variety of answers, but the most common complaint I hear really boils down to the difficulty of finding new clients. But that's not surprising because finding new clients is hard and expensive, but why then are so many agencies effectively throwing those clients out after just one project? You can do everything else right. You can price on value, position yourself as an expert, use multiple chances to find clients, whatever. But if you typically only do one project for your clients before moving on, then you're leaving an insane amount of money on the table and doing your clients a disservice. Matt broke down the process to fix this into three simple steps. First, find clients that can gain a lot from working with you. Second, engage in ongoing dialogue with your clients to truly understand their business and their needs. And third, create a proactive relationship by figuring out how you can help them. My favorite quote of the episode is when Matt says, it's not up to the client to know how you can help them create value. You're the expert. Why do you expect them to come to you with the idea for a new project? It should be the other way around. If you can continuously find ways to improve your client's bottom line, they're going to keep coming back to you for more. That sounds a lot easier than constantly chasing new clients, doesn't it? And if you want to get more specifics about how you can do this in your own agency, check out Matt's website, multiplyclientvalue.com. Next week, I have a really fun episode for you guys. I'll be talking with John Parker, who runs a software development agency, KeyPro, and is an avid listener to this podcast. He's built a great agency all on his own, but in this episode, he talks about how he's been applying some of the lessons from the show to blow his goals out of the water. If you're on the fence about whether or not you can make these tactics work in your agency, next week's episode may be the kick in the pants that you need. Talk to you then. See ya. See ya.